The week ahead, like last week, will be crammed with important market-moving events and data points. The challenge for investors will not be in predicting instant market reactions to this new information, but rather in understanding how it could change the investment landscape going forward. The first, most important change is a revised view of economic momentum provided by Friday's second quarter GDP report, which included revisions going back over the past five years. Simply put, an economic slowdown is no longer a forecast, it is a fact. Prior to Friday's release, the data showed year-over-year real GDP growth reaching a four-year high of 3.2% in the first quarter of this year. However, it now appears that growth actually attained this pace over a year ago and has been falling since, edging down to 2.3% year-over-year in the second quarter of this year. Moreover, looking forward, further deceleration appears on the cards. Inventories were still growing at roughly twice their normal pace in the second quarter, while government spending and some areas of consumer spending also appear to be rising at an unsustainable rate. This week's numbers on auto sales on Wednesday and jobs on Friday will likely support a narrative that growth now has permanently downshifted to roughly 2% following its post-tax cut surge. Still, barring some further shock, there are a few signs of a near-term recession. Second, the risk of a debt ceiling crisis or government shutdown has been averted, as Congress and the administration have agreed to a two-year deal that once again overrides the spending caps imposed by the Budget Control Act of 2011. Moreover, 2020 and 2021 were the last two years in which the caps were supposed to operate, so removing them altogether places forecasts of discretionary spending on a much higher, if, much, if more realistic, path. The Congressional Budget Office will likely use this new higher path in its forecasts, so that while the direct cost of this deal adds $324 billion to appropriations over the next two years, the new level of discretionary spending could add over $1.5 trillion to projections of the national debt by 2029. Finally, investors should understand that this agreement is not so much the addition of fiscal stimulus, but the removal of a fiscal cliff. Even with this agreement, total discretionary spending is budgeted to grow by 3.7% on average in 2020 and 2021 essentially in line with the growth in nominal GDP. Third, the week ahead will see Purchasing Manager Index released uh, data released worldwide. Based on last week's flash readings, the Global PMI Index for Manufacturing, due out on Thursday, will likely show a further deceleration activity to a fresh six-and-a-half-year low. However, it's important to note that this weakness is not as pronounced in the service sector, which may have improved in July. Outside of a general recession, swings in manufacturing tend to be rather short-lived, and while U.S. economic growth is setting in, settling into a new, slower pace, activity outside the United States should pick up later this year and into 2020. Fourth, on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve is widely expected to cut the federal funds rate for the first time since 2008. In justifying monetary easing, Chairman Jay Powell will likely emphasize that inflation continues to run below the Fed's 2% target. Tuesday consumption deflation numbers for June should confirm this, with year-over-year numbers of 1.4% overall and 1.6% excluding food and energy. However, given some stabilization in U.S. economic data in recent weeks, the strong performance of the stock market, and the removal of the risk of a budget crisis, he may well want to curb market expectations of multiple further rate cuts. While a slightly less dovish tone would be entirely appropriate, it may not be welcomed by U.S. financial markets or the administration, both of which appear to demand ultra-easy monetary policy in all circumstances. Finally, the week ahead is the peak week in the earnings season, with 168 S&P 500 companies set to report. So far, with 54% of the S&P 500 market cap in the door as of Friday morning, 
77% of firms have beaten earnings expectations compared to 69% and 74% over the past two quarters respectively. However, in absolute terms, the year-over-year gain in earnings per share is tracking just 2% for the quarter, all of which can be accounted for by a reduction in share count due to strong buybacks. This buyback effect will likely fade in coming quarters, both due to the diminished impact of cash repatriated in response to the Tax Act of 2017 and because at higher stock prices it simply takes more dollars to reduce share count in a significant way. Beyond this issue, companies will likely struggle to boost earnings from today's high levels. Analyst forecasts for 2020 are still pointing to double-digit gains in EPS, but these forecasts look very suspect in an environment of slowing economic growth and tight labour markets. For investors, this has been an exceptionally positive year so far, with large-cap US stocks getting more than 20% even as interest rates drift down in anticipation of an easier Fed. However, these new brushstrokes paint a less optimistic picture than seems embedded in market action, with slower growth in the economy and earnings and less reason for aggressive Fed easing. Nevertheless, if the Fed does ease ease this week and once more before the end of the year, real cash yields, as measured by core CPI inflation, will once again descend into negative territory. For long-term investors, this still makes it difficult to justify hiding in cash. However, with a clearer big picture, it should be more important to take advantage of valuation opportunities, both within particular sectors of the U.S. equity and fixed income markets and in lagging stock markets overseas. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.